podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Uh, hey everyone, welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation. I am Matt. I am Andy. We are coming to you from separate locations through via subspace communication. Hello, Andy. How are you? I'm doing all right, Matt. How are you doing? Oh, just, you know, sun is out. The, the birds are chirping, unaware that there is a disease they can't catch. <laughs> Do we know that they can't catch it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's not uh, interspecies. I'm only worried about the birds. As you should be. The birds are cool. I wonder what how the, the birds, birds at Disney feel. You know, the birds that are usually like, there's so much food and popcorn around constantly. Did you say popcorn? That is yes. That is a very New Massachusetts. England, that is a very New England thing to say. <laughs> popcorn and hot dog, everyone. H U T hot dog. I haven't uh, heard that since Mike Mitchell. <laughs> well, you know, I'm glad I can bring it back. Um, I wonder how the Doughboys are doing. A lot of delivery to be had over there. Oh, yeah. Must be nice. <laughs> Must be nice. Andy, you too can have delivery. <laughs> I say, you know it. that I know that uh, all too well. That being said, everyone, we've wrapped up Picard. Season one, finito. Uh, this is your classic TNG episode of TNC. A lot of rhyming going on there. And uh, we're barreling into the fifth season. We're mi- We're midway through. We're more than midway through the fifth season, Andy. Yeah, it's crazy. But uh, an episode, uh, a season and a half, and we'll wild, be done. Wild stuff. But I suppose I should answer this question. Matt, would you have them watch this episode? I guess, but you don't have to. That's not a, that's not a concise answer. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's really, it's, it's dependent here. I'll try, I'll answer it you again. You squeezed in a waffling into a two let and me, a half second let space. Let me slightly more concisively answer it for you, Andy. Here we go. Okay. Matt, would you have them watch this episode? You could. I wouldn't. It's not one of my favorites. <laughs> Better? Any of those closer, sure. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those episodes that's like, that's always there, you know? It's yeah. there if you need it. <laughs> yeah. But sometimes you don't need it. But otherwise, you do. I don't know. What am I? Some kind of uh, Star Trek scientist? Yes. Oh, that's right. Or are you a Star Trek theorist? You're more like a Star Trek philosopher than you are a scientist. Uh, my dream is to have a degree in anything. I don't care what it is. Uh, Maybe you can get, if you become big enough, you can get one of those FACO ones from uh, your alma mater. Oh, what was someday, your alma mater? Someday I'll get a Boston University or Art Institute of New England uh, FACO. Yeah. Oh, Ad- if you're Admiral listening. Admiral Emeritus. If you're listening out there, Starfleet Academy in the future, send me a diploma. From the Come future. back in time. <laughs> they can figure it out. I'm sure they have a temporal uh, mechanics lab. Yeah. Speaking of temporal mechanics, Andy, should we go about our business and do the Admiral's Club? Should we warn anybody about Picard spoilers? 
Uh, not in the Admirals Club. Once we start going into the uh, the President Circle, from yeah. that point forward through the Hales, yeah, there we are sort of using this because we got weirdly perilously few comments on our last episode, a TNG episode. Conundrum. Well, I think everyone was in Picard fever. They were in, in a Picard headspace, so it's going to be mostly just sort of takes on the last finale episode of uh, of Picard. Um, so if you don't want spoilers for that, then Matt will um, notate where the episode proper begins, yeah. and you should skip ahead to that. That's good, yeah. So uh, with that being said, everybody, let's head over to the Admiral's Club. Go to iTunes, leave a five-star review, and join the Admiral's Club. Matt, how do they get into the Admiral's oh, Club? Oh, Andy, it's very simple. You just head over to Apple Podcasts and you leave a five-star review. Doesn't matter if it's kind or negative. If it's five stars, you're welcome in. Proof positive is this highly mean-spirited <laughs> <laughs> a review from, it turns out, a good friend of ours um, um, who says, uh, put me in your little Admiral's dump. Um, from CB Lingo, um, which is actually Chris Bishop, it is revealed, um, who we both work with, uh, who says, sure, it's sloppy and unprofessional. Sure, it's an unpolished mess that vacillates between mind-bogglingly sluggish and wildly off-topic. Sure, the two voices are an echo chamber of nerdy sameness. Sure, it's somehow both smugly confident and unsure, but at least they have an excuse. They've never stepped foot in podcasting or entertainment in any way. And they're 15. <laughs> <laughs> Cut them some slack. Plus, it's free. They don't have to debase themselves with some sort of fawning Patreon. Stooping in the dirt for a pittance no-no. These are proud boys. Some would even say they're the proud boys, but damn it, I love them. So keep your hands heads held high, Andy and the other one. Matt, maybe I'll, maybe I'll even listen uh, to more than five minutes one day. Dash Chris Bishop. Oh, Chris, welcome to the club. I hope you enjoy the uh, single serving the buffet we have available. Individually wrapped items to keep it safe for the current situation. <laughs> Chris Bishop, by the way, just as big a nerd as I am. Oh, I would and go just so as much of a complainer. There's no is, question. He is a bigger nerd than us. Yeah. <laughs> we, he's like um, he's like the yeah. kind of nerd that like looks down on us kind of nerds, not because sure. of the our nerdiness but just because he reads so much science fiction for sure like reads it yeah and loves it yeah we're we're like faux nerds compared to him. yeah we're 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 basic we're basic bitch nerds <laughs> also by the way i'm pretty sure uh, at least 50% of everything he said not that it's not all true um was was me insulting us myself to him but uh, nonetheless, welcome aboard, Chris. <laughs> uh, the next one is uh, decidedly more positive uh, and brief. Uh, love this podcast from reviewer X68. Great podcast for all things Star Trek. <laughs> right to the point. Thank you. Um, thank you so much, reviewer X68. I appreciate um, you. Sorry? No, I was t telling X68 that I appreciate them. So nice. Uh, uh, and with that, let's step into the United Federation of Planets President Circle. Oh boy, here we go. So many things to do here. Come on. The 
are here. It's the President Circle on Patreon. You can support the show. Keep it going by becoming a loyal supporter and possibly enter the President Circle level. Uh, and we, every week, like to single out one or more of you presidents for acts of valor. And what that means is you've left us a message and we're going to read it on the show. You are now awarded a Christopher Pike Medal of Valor. Who is the first recipient, Andy? Our first recipient is Lieutenant Teddy Jordan, who writes us, I decided I want to spend uh, I want to spend the quarantine in the UFO PPC. The food is amazing, <laughs> and I have an endless number of podcast hours to wait this thing out. Um, and then she continues, Y'all ask why Commodore O didn't just kill Data, but we learn from Laris that the Zatvash is so secret that even the Tal Shiar aren't really aware of it, more like a rumor. It's likely Tapel didn't even know about the mission regarding synthetic life, only what her specific mission was for the Tal Shiar, which would be jeopardized by randomly murdering the second officer. So I think this is in response to your yeah, question, why did they kill Data? I wish I had a thing that said it didn't make sense, but the audience fixed it. Oh, yeah, we need that. If anybody Nacho! wants to make up that jingle. Uh, by the way, Matt is uh, doing a, a fine job of running the, uh, because of the our separation, he's doing a fine job of running the uh, the effects now. So far, um, you probably just jinxed it. All I have to do is think about how I can screw up on my own sans effects. Nice work. Uh, Don't get cocky, kid. Lieutenant K.D. Campbell writes us, um, never have I gone into a season finale. This is where we really get into the... Uh, the, the the wildly passionate opinions Wait, so on both should, sides about the Picard we, as a we, series and finale. Yeah, this should be this is the delineation mark, Andy. From here on out, this is when we really start getting into people's opinions. Okay, so from here on out, everybody, we are going to be talking about the season finale of Picard. I will let you know in the podcast description when that is over. So um, here, so we go. Wait. Andy, I've got a sound to play. Ah! All right. Spoiler okay, spoilers out. <laughs> oh, man. That is so cheesy. Uh, never have I gone into a season finale not caring what happened. That said, I really enjoyed this episode, maybe because I had zero expectations, but it was cool to see Riker in command again. Totally agree. Yes, it was. Uh, Katie Campbell. Uh, I, it also felt like the only episode that was complete. Now, granted, it wasn't without issues. Really, the Romulans have at least five planetary sterilization plans. <laughs> this is a point you said. So dumb. Uh, and the Chekhov's magic fix-it wand. The one-line uh, fix making sense kosher. But overall, it was finally a good episode of Star Trek. Would have been cool if Data had said, my brother Lore, though. Why didn't Gerardi just use the magic wand on Picard's brain? Oh, yeah. Question. Could the magic wand do that? Or is the magic wand only to work with technical things? I feel like it's implied that it's only technical things. But I feel it like certainly seems magic, so who nothing's knows? Nothing's implied, Andy. <laughs> yeah. Nothing is. There's no implication of anything. And those are our only two uh, Medal of Valors? Well, everyone who has entered uh, and received your Medal of Valor, I appreciate you greatly. Everyone else, stay tuned for some hails. Andy, let's head to the corridor, shall we? Very good. Did you play it? I, I, I assume I did. Oh, that's the tail end of that door. So here we okay. go. <laughs> Captain, we are being hailed. All right. Here we go. 
Uh, Josh Stafford writes us, uh, I love you guys. Any other podcast with so much negativity, I would have given up on ages ago. You do an excellent job of not being jerks in your nitpicking. I could listen to you talk about anything for an hour or two, so the Trek part is just coincidental. Just to give you an opposite POV, my Trek geek friend and I spend equal amounts of time loving this show as you guys dislike the show. Oh, wow. I admit, I'm an easy mark. Like the uh, like a movie has to be Michael Bay Transformers bad for me to not like it. And the Riker stuff totally got me. I got choked up a few times. It was just as fun. It was just fun to be back in the world and the character evolutions didn't bother me. I also loved The Last Jedi and Twin Peaks Season 3. So I guess I'm just not adverse to that sort of thing. I liked most of The Last Jedi. Did you? Yes. Could have done without um, Space Vegas. You know... I feel I like know, everyone... Is... Stop stop with Space Vegas, everyone. We've seen it. <laughs> I, it I don't, it's interesting. That, then you really know you failed with your Space Vegas. If Mr. Vegas here doesn't like it... I don't. Or do you not like it because it's not an accurate rendition of what Space <laughs> no, Vegas I just would don't, be? I don't need to see the 900th version of CD Underbelly of Space. You know? Yeah, it does. It does bother me. I never really thought about it before. But that's another reason you must love James Bond, isn't it? That you're. What do you mean? I don't know. He's always basically going to, to gambling establishments. <laughs> yes, but I liked James Bond long before I was allowed to gamble. So, do was it? Do more I possibly before? like to gamble because of James Bond? I don't know. I mean, this must have been covered on your on your bonding podcast. But how did you not end up? with more of a, a Baccarat style game as opposed to slot machines. <laughs> you know, I've only played Baccarat live once. I did well, but it's all just luck, Baccarat. Yeah. Uh, if you read Casino Royale, uh, Ian Fleming uh, goes through Bond's roulette strategy. Uh, so he was a roulette player in the book Casino Royale. Was it anything other than Martin yelling? Yes. Oh. Do you think it was sound? Uh, I think it uh, it sort of uh, was limiting limit limits your losses. Uh huh. You know, but there's no rhyme or reason really to it. You just bet on the first twelve and the second twelve uh, and the third twelve numbers, uh, even amount of money on both every gotcha. time. So from this point forward, we start going into. I kind of wanted to make sure that the the voice of someone who enjoyed the show was heard. Oh, that, um, that was it. There was very few people, and I think I assume it's because they're at the end, and so the argument of well, you got to wait till the end, and then it'll everything you guys are complaining about will make sense. Right. So kind that of, argument you don't have that grounding up. anymore. So I'll just uh, I'm going to start reading some of the other perspectives um, from uh, Casey Ransom. Uh, he says, hey, Andy, between the mystery boxes, discarded plot lines, and character building for characters that don't have a foundation to build from, this season could have boiled down to a two-part pilot and been far better. Casey. Yes, I, we discussed that, too. Like, it, like yeah. you feel like you could have been off on the adventure not, not without that much time taken up. Um, with that, on that note, um, uh, Br- Braden Cadenelli... Uh, says to us, um, oh, am I on the right one? I don't know. I'm sorry, I'm on the wrong one. Uh, never mind, I'll get to it when I get to it. Not professional. No. All I got to do is read the hills, and I'm still screwing it up. <laughs> um, so I'll get to it when I'll get to it. Sorry. Uh, okay, uh, Joshua Wilson writes us, Hey, guys, big fan of the show. 
I was surprised that after hating so much about Picard, you were so forgiving about Data's death. I wanted so badly to like the show, but the writing really got in the way. I was forgiving most of the things, most things, I was forgiving of most things, but Data's death was the last draw for me. We have Data's consciousness stuck in a simulation like some Black Mirror episode with the technology to not only put it into another body, but to put it into a biological body that could age and eventually die, the show could have given us data every could have given data everything he wanted as well as a satisfying end for viewers, but instead chose to keep him in sort of a torture scenario, only to have us watch him die all over again. Brent Spiner should have played biological data living amongst the androids, not Sung's brother. It was uh, all right there for them to do the right thing, and like the rest of the show, they botched it. So frustrating. Uh, keep on keeping on. And uh, uh, look, wait, keep will, on on keeping the trek alive. Keep on keeping the trek alive. Uh, if I were the showrunner of next season, yeah, and I were able to convince Brent Spiner to come back with yeah. no makeup, yeah, I would give him. I would. I would do that for him in the first episode back. You would. I would do put. I would put his in consciousness the- in an android body because it's not like Picard took those fucking processor chips out and blew them up. He just unplugged yeah. them from power, so the consciousness is still somewhere. It's also still in B four, so you have Sung build a fucking. Because the the guy who's alive of of Sung and Maddox yeah. is the guy who quote unquote does the bodies. S- Maddox was more the positronic net brain guy. Yeah. And Gerardi is now with us, and she can do the brain part. Oh, that's a really good point. So you and can, I guess I guess it's implied that the reason they didn't put or maybe it's even stated that it was, the reason that it, it was an emergency situation right and they well no to. I was saying the reason they didn't put data in a, in a body up till now is because they didn't have Maddox which is highly suspect anyway but. well yes but also uh, you now that you have Maddox I mean what are you going to do if you're Maddox bring him back now and then have the Federation have to destroy data yeah so I think it would be ripe so if I were the showrunner and Brent Spiner were open to coming back fuck yeah I'd bring him back I'd bring him back as looking exactly like Sung's brother. Yeah. With the same excuse. Like with the same aging technology, same algorithm, etc. I kind of feel like franchises, I think, should just go for it with retconning. I well, think that well, it's not a we're retcon. in a world now, and I think one of our hails in the past has sort of commented on this, where it's kind of like... Well, you got to reinvent it. You got to allow yourself to reinvent it, and that's the deal. And uh, and so so you, some are going to be smart reinventions, and some are going to be dumb reinventions. And you should just have the freedom moving forward to be like, hey, you know what? We screwed up with that thing with data. So now we're going to say it's not like denying it, but just retconning it. Well, it doesn't even. It's not a ret. It's not a retroactive thing. You you can still do it forward. With the story forward, I think you. No, I yeah, I'm not. Well, are it's you? Not a retcon. Is ret, is ret is a retcon only a retcon if you're changing the thing that has already been established? I sort of interpreted retcon to yes. mean like you're basically covering up the mistake no, with no. a logical. Retconning is changing established canon. It's retroactively changing the canon. 
that's the retcon of it all. Hmm. Let me look it up. Okay. Andy's looking it up. Um, Redcon. In film, television, or series or the fictional work, a piece of new information that imposes a different interpretation on previous dis- previously described events. It's typically used to facilitate a dramatic plot or shift or account for an inconsistency. So, that's what I was saying. But, like, it's not... It's canonical. But you're not changing canon. You're reinterpreting the thing that already happened. No, I'm using what already happened. I'm... I'm building on the canon. That's what I was saying. If you were saying the same thing, then we weren't understanding each other. We were saying the same thing, I guess. As always. (laughs) Bishop was right. Bishop, by the way, (laughs) successfully being the biggest nerd troll of all in that hell. (laughs) Um, Anyway, uh, where was I? Let's see. Uh, So Randall Pobletti... I'm, I'm sure I'm way off on that. Uh, says, first, let me say what I liked about Picard. Fantastic cinematography. Best-looking production in the 50-year uh, history of the franchise. Excellent acting. Troy gives the best example of why she's a good counselor in her one episode than in seven seasons of TNG and the films. <laughs> yep. um, now my main issue with the show. What were we supposed to take away from this season? And how can you put Picard in a golem immediately after Data talks about death giving meaning to life? Picard wasn't murdered. He died of a brain disease at the age of 94. He was at peace with that. And if you had a golem with Data's memories retrieved, why not bring him back? Which is what you were just saying. I find the idea of a synth Picard distasteful. And TNG actually made an episode about this in season two's The Schizoid Man. Yeah. So... And then he, he finishes out with, so this is what Star Wars fans must have felt felt like after Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. Um, I, but yes, we talked about the schizoid man. Uh, remember, Andy? We wanted yeah. to put his consciousness into a, an android body for immortality. Yeah. It's interesting. But, you know, the Gollum body here, they retcon it so it can die. So whatever. You know what it... A lot of the creative choices feel like it feel like you you lay out a bunch of stuff if you're in a writer's room, you're brainstorming, you're blue skying as we call it. So it's just like, well, what could happen? Anything could happen. Let's write a bunch of stuff down. And they got they put down this thing about data, he's trapped in a simulation, and that's where it all ends up and you have this moving, you know, scene between him and Picard, which we all we generally seem to all feel I mean, this guy didn't li- didn't like it because of how it turns out, but we were all moved by it. And it's like, then they came up with all the stuff that led up to it. And it's like, well, that doesn't fit with it anymore. So well, you got to eject that at that point. Chabon said was they knew from day one, the only thing they knew is that they wanted to kill Picard and bring him back. So they wrote backwards uh-huh. from that. I, well, I don't know why you would have gotten locked into that. Um, I, don't, I don't either. <laughs> But that was, um, so that this was, was the uh, this was the hell I was thinking of uh, before, sort of in in sort of in uh, on the on the note of could you make this whole uh, whole thing a pilot in two episodes? Hey guys, I've been thinking a lot about Star Trek Picard and reviews of the episodes. I have to say I've enjoyed a lot about the show, but definitely see where you're coming from. In fact, I've been excitedly watching the episodes and then excitedly listening to you guys rip them apart. So I'm complex. Uh, it seems at the end of it all. This season is enough plot and too many characters for one episode or movie of TNG. So what I wanted to put out there, 
to two TV writers, if you're up for thought experiment, how would you break the, the, the basic story they tried to tell into a satisfying one or two episode story? Trim whatever you want, alter storylines, but keep the basic concept, which seems to be a dying Picard get, gets pulled into a conspiracy of Romulans trying to prevent synthetic life forms from existing because they will cause the end of all life. Any B-plot is fine. Make one up. Keep one you like from the show. Whatever. Ben. Seems like kind of a tall order, but I thought maybe we could... No, briefly. it's a tall order, but I would just essentially it would just be a lot of editing. Like I wouldn't need them. My overall, while you're thinking, my overall thing is right off the bat. If you're setting up all these side characters as your, which they, it's really what they feel like, even in the end, is side characters um, as your main characters, and they're going to be as people, then. I would lead Picard through all of that in two episodes and you start with their like a like a just a couple of minutes of their side story like if you knew Rafi with her kid that's fine and and Gerardi with her you know the institute and you bring Picard we're following Picard through all of that each thing as each person's in introduced and put on the crew and then you end the episode if not before with them leaving earth Uh, and then the next episode they get to the Borg Cube. Yes, and then the next episode they get to the Borg Cube. And then does Maddox die in yours? I don't even know if you need Maddox. I probably would have put Maddox on the planet at the end, but but definitely don't introduce him earlier and then have him yeah, die. Yeah, you don't need to. Maddox being killed, like Maddox, there's the necess- there is no story necessity for Maddox to be killed other than to show that Gerardi was a spy. Right. Which we knew. And give her something to be tortured about. From the previous scenes where you told us she was a spy. Right. So, I mean, I don't know if you're ultimately going for sh- there's a redemption arc for her. But is there? I mean... I yeah, really I don't know feel like the first episode redemption. next week is they uh, next season is they drop her off at Starbase Twelve, yeah, or Deep Space Twelve rather. Um, so I think yeah, I think it's a three episode situation. I could probably get it down to two, but you just take the plot movement. Anytime the plot moved, you would put that into those two episodes, and I assure you that there is space for it. And it feels like the. The big story hubs that the, that they're drawing from the franchise on are the Romulans and the Borg. And as so many people have said, then why are we not really... I mean, we see Seven of Nine kind of face off a little bit, although not in a satisfying way, really, uh, with Nerissa. Why is it not... You know, why is that not where we're seeing it play out from that point forward? Um, and so it's like you get to the Borg Cube, you introduce Narek and Soji, you get all that stuff done in, in one episode or two episodes. Yeah. And then it's you're following B- Borgs versus Romulans with Seven kind of driving the Borg thing. And maybe you even include some of the threat of the Borg turning against them or, or Seven has had to plug into the Cube, which always sort of puts everyone in a threat of is the Borg consciousness going to infect her? I would cut Seven of Nine. Well, I obviously and would. I would <laughs> and I would cut the Borg. You would cut the Borg? Yeah, you don't need them. Interesting. Yeah, it you does don't seem need like them it's... to tell that story at all. You definitely don't. Um, 
So I think I'd, you could work them in so they'd be satisfying. I'd cut the Borg and I'd cut seven of nine, like because I don't need to see Jean Luc Picard react to the Borg. Like I've uh-huh. seen it. It was called First Contact. What about uh, Harry Mudd? Do you want to bring Harry Mudd in there? Harry Mudd's many, many years dead on that, Andy. <laughs> uh, we don't know if he's turned into a synth. I mean, I would love it. He was by on the a way. planet of synths. Next year, they they visit the planet that has all the Adam One and Adam Two. They, like they go to the Mud's Women planet. <laughs> no, they do. Well, then I'm sure no, that no, he's I'm turned into a that synth. Would be a thing. Oh yeah, that, yeah, they, that'd be they great. Don't actually. I'm just pitching it. Yeah. Um, and all uh, the, all that's left now is uh, Stella. All the android versions of Stella. Right. Um. Next, Stella Anthony Wiper. Here. Huh? Go ahead. Go ahead. Anthony Wiper writes, uh, hey guys, uh, Spock did mind meld with a machine in the Changeling, on uh, the original series, and then uh, Mark Warren adds to that, uh, just in case you guys have remembered by now, Spock mind melded with a machine in Star Trek The Motion Picture. Although, I question uh, that one. consciousness, but I guess if we're saying that the consciousness of... That was, a, that was an organic answer. entity that the that the artificial life was sort of possessing, isn't it? Or did he create her? Or it create her? Did V'ger create her? V'ger created her, but that was Spock being able to mind meld with something. Not that something being able to mind meld with an organic being. Do you know what I mean? You're saying if it's emanating I think it's I, th- I don't think it's a two-way stream. Because human beings, right, they're, they can get mind-melded by a Vulcan, but human beings cannot then mind-meld. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, the fact that Spock has mind-melded with whales does not mean that I should worry about whales mind-melding people. Right, right. But it's, I guess it's just a question of could you learn that skill in any event? Well, canonically, I don't believe that you could until now. So, but they're saying that it happened in the that changeling. Is retro canon? No, but what I'm saying is the initiator of the mind meld was Spock each time. Your main problem is that that an android learned how to do it. Yes, with no Vulcan present. I, I guess the, I guess I feel like I would buy that, but you uh, may buy it because it is canon now, Andy. Ha ha. Uh, cannons on my side. Terrible, terrible cannon. Jesse Cousins writes us, uh, just heard your episode recap of the Picard finale. I have opinions. The Tal Shiar fed most of their race into a wood chipper to get rid of the Federation since a few weeks earlier. Like if they've held, uh, like if they'd held off a month, Picard saves most of Romulus and they still have an empire and the Federation still bans since after the Utopia Planitia attack. This makes no sense unless killing most Romulans was also a goal. This is not explored. Uh, Federation starship design um, uh, as a topic. Before you get to his next point, let me address that point. I agree with that. Like, I think that that the Mars attack so is such a big plot hole sort of area. Yeah, because it's it's you you see it, but you don't really address it they kind of it's kind of evidence of that they go back and forth a lot with the romulans both admiral uh, admiral o and nerissa between them being these snarling 
mustache twirling villains and being sort of grounded in that like oh wait they're trying to save the universe and it's not in a way that's it's kind of like after you saw the flashbacks with Nerissa Mm -hmm. it feels like you should then have reincorporated that information into her current behavior in a satisfying way like that she was and I don't know how you would have done this but like she was playing this villain for a purpose and instead they just keep vacillating back and forth between these two things uh, to that point why not have the Jatvash behave differently than the Talshiar in the sense that they value organic life they value life because right. they're ultimately trying to save the universe and save right. all organic life. So the argument of, you know, the good needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, sure, yeah, I'll buy that, but also, like, what if it was this total Starfleet-like devotion from Romulans to preserving organic life? That would be more interesting to me than secret secret police I agree with you and I will go further that this was part of my problem which I think I stated uh, much as I love seeing Riker show up in the nick of time with it being that the Federation that Starfleet shows up to prevent the Romulans from uh, and I understand that they're protecting these this, this diplomatically protected race but at the same time, that diplomatically protected race is on the verge of destroying all organic life. So, I don't know. It's real questionable, all of it. Well, I mean, I'll go one further, Andy. Ready? Yeah. So, they leave uh, these, these super advanced uh, artificial life leaves, a, leaves sort of a directions on how to build a beacon that will open up some sort of wormhole or vortex that they can get through very quickly correct correct you're telling me that that evil fucking life can't work it the other way and build their own beacon in like a second and come on back through yeah like you got a couple of hells to this to this effect ridiculous yeah it's a ridiculous thing to establish yeah it's also of all the effects and you only brought it to that point for dramatic effect you only brought it to the tentacle coming through for drama (laughs) <laughs> which was kind of silly. Not for that story was, purpose. Of all the great effects in this thing, that was like, it felt very, almost like a, like a Stephen King ad- adaptation into a movie kind of a moment. <laughs> like from the 80s, kind of a lawnmower man-ish kind of a vibe. Yeah. This is lame. Uh, anyway, to continue the, uh, the hail, uh, Federation starship design, I thought they were setting up that it's just Will and one ship, this would have been smart, and they're doing the same projector thingy uh, the the La Serena just did. Nope. <laughs> oh, um, that would have been, been really smart. smart. I would have liked that as well. Um, and the last thing is, uh, um, I would uh, pay or donate to a charity of your choice for, or or a large mo- amount of money for this. Uh, and and uh, he's requesting an epic six hour podcast of you breaking the story of CBS's all access new ten episode order for Star Trek La Forge. Maybe he has to put out Mars uh, or something. I would love Um, But perhaps making a Star Trek dumpster fire fighting series is too on the uh, nose after this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe he has to put out Mars or something. (laughs) He wants putting out the fire on Mars. 
Well, I mean, obviously, under the atmosphere, his computer is still there. The thing he loves yeah. the most. <laughs> um, and that is it for the hails. We have a prime corrective. So Hang if you can on, find Andy. the. Let me just say thank you to everyone for hailing us. Well, first we go to prime corrective before we close out the hails. Oh, well, then why would you say that's it for hails? I was just saying. Well, you're fine. right. I shouldn't have said that. We have a prime corrective first. Time play. for retrospective, cause truth is our objective. It's a prime corrective, cause Matt and he got it wrong. Mostly Matt. This time I think it's uh, even Steven. Um... Hi, Matt and Andy. Wanted to share my idea as the origins of the nickname Bones. Uh, we were debating this, mostly comedically, uh, but also out of ignorance. Um, uh, during the uh, Civil War, doctors might be called a Sawbones. Having served, Gene Roddenberry was most likely familiar with this, and perhaps this is where the nickname Bones came from. Many other people were on the same sort of uh, take. Um, and You're uh, saying the more, more than one person wrote in about that? Many people. Oh, Many, good. many people. So then it's not just a theory. Or is it just many people's theory? All of them seem to be on the same, the same perspective, but it doesn't seem like anyone said, I found it here. Oh. Well, then it's a prime corrective, but also an audience theory. Great. Correct. And that one is from... Oh, yeah, I guess it's not fully a prime corrective if it's not... No confirmed um but whatever the case that was from uh brayden catanelli whose name i mentioned and also before. by the way we weren't talking about it from gene roddenberry's pov yeah we were talking about it in universe like you mean in terms of canon well no like in terms of dialogue in the show yes in terms of canon i was saying how like in star trek 2009 they have a line about him being called bones right and then we were discussing what the actual reason in the show would be for that. Right. Not that Gene Roddenberry served and would have known Sawbones. Right. You're saying it's not part of canon, that explanation. Right. Unless it right. is, in which case someone please cite it and let me see it because I want to I, see it. I'm fairly certain in none of the hails that were saying this that anybody said it's in this episode. Oof, good grief. All right, everybody. Thank you. Wait, we have one more. Oh, uh, Scott Burnett. Another uh, prime corrective. Oh, lofty boy. President Circle members. So technically, this is also a, uh, a Medal of Valor you're receiving. Uh, says, in regards to the stupid brass knuckles thingamajig, um, I was the one who was wrong. It was not Matt. He says, it's not a MacGuffin. It's a Deus Ex Machina, uh, which is correct. I looked it up. Um, yes. Uh, that, uh, and he also adds, that whole thing drove me insane. Oh, it was fucking the dumbest thing in that show. And with that, we close. And the that's hills. it. Correct. All right, everyone. It's time to get back to good old-fashioned early '90s with Power Play, which aired uh, in February, February twenty-fourth of nineteen ninety-two. This was a uh, directed by David Livingston with uh, the story credit very exciting Maurice Hurley is on there Andy what was happening in the world in February of 1992 well I'll tell you Matt uh, people in the US were listening to To Be With You by Mr. Big 
Oh, wow. We've talked about that song before. I'll also say if you want to note the time so we can tell people when we're done with the... Uh, note the time? What do you mean? So we can tell people when we're done with the Picard discussion. Oh, yeah, but that's in the notes, not for... Okay, everyone, it's now... Welcome back, everyone. Thank you for joining us <laughs> at some minutes because I have to put the intro on top of this and cut the top of our talking off and start the podcast proper, so I won't know until I do the actual edit. Thank you, everyone. Yeah. So meanwhile in the UK, uh, is this is this didn't we t- didn't we have this exact song before, Andy? You know, I don't know if I'm doing it wrong. Uh, uh, Matthew Kirk has uh, has has retired himself, which I really I can't blame I, him for. Look, we um, could, and so we, I'm doing it again. Kirk, and I just look at what was the number one. We would too. We don't we don't fault you for that. No, not at all. Uh, and I so now I just look it up and it's um, uh, and I and I just look up what was the number one song that that at that on that day All right. air. So I if I'm doing it wrong then I'm doing it wrong. But this is Whatever. what it said. I'm happy to hear this song. I like it. I know anyway. that uh, Dave Amiot, uh, listener slash complainer, does not. We've had this discussion on Twitter. <laughs> this song in particular? Yes, I believe. You guys gonna discuss this song? Because we talked about it on the podcast. Right? Yeah. Oh no. We talked about extreme more than words, which I those two songs I throw in my head as the same song. Yeah, that's fair. Would you say this has a John Mayerish quality? Uh I mean there's an acoustic guitar and some harmonies, so sure. Not Anyway, in UK, uh, Stay by Shakespeare's sister, Six Shakespeare's sister, Bishop is right about us, um, was in the top five. Um, my Cousin Vinny, directed by Jonathan Lynn, was one of the most viewed movies released in 1992, while Vox by Nicholson Baker was one of the best-selling books. Singer-songwriter Courtney Love wed singer Kurt Cobain on Waikiki Beach in Honolulu, Hawaii. And uh, Time Magazine's cover featured the title Holy Alliance, how Reagan and the Pope conspired to assist Poland's solidarity movement and hasten the demise of communism. Cool. Well, that's what was happening with the world. But Andy, you know what I want to know. I sure do, buddy. I you want to know, know what was happening with our good pal, Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra, come on. Da, 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 da. Time for that segment everybody hates. <laughs> Time for Frank Sinatra, come on. Frank Sinatra, come on. You see how fast his, his hands are moving. Song, Andy. This guy's like data. His hands are moving so fast right now, trying to do all the different things. So Andy, what was going on with the chairman of the board? Let me tell you, pal, this week, Frank hosted his annual Celebrity Invitational Golf Tournament in Palm Springs, California. Yeah. That's so perfect. On February 29th, Julio Iglesias appeared in concert and was supposed to be followed by Dean Martin instead. 
instead, sorry, comic Tom Dressen made an announcement to the audience. Dean Martin has a sore throat. The good news is he sent a replacement, and he thinks he has real possibilities in this business. Frank walked out and did an eight-song, 37-minute set. <laughs> oh, that's cool. You want to see Julio Iglesias, and you expect Dean Martin, and then you get Frank Sinatra, too? Well, come on! In addition. Frank Sinatra, come on! I really say at the same time, every time. I love you. All right, everybody. Let's talk power play. So, this episode, Andy, written by uh, a bunch of folk here. Yeah, I was excited to see Maurice Hurley's name on there. Yes, Renee Belcher, Herbert J. Wright, and Brandon Braga get the teleplay. And the story is by Paul Rubin, not Paul Rubens, and Maurice Hurley. Ladies and gentlemen, that is uh, exciting stuff. It was my story, but they screwed it up. It it should have been much more than getting down to the clues of what was going on. Maurice, save it. Uh, After receiving an old-style distress call from the moon of Mabu 6, previously thought to be uninhabited, uh, and learning that the magnetic storms prevent the use of a transporter, Riker, Troy, and Data take a shuttlecraft to the moon's surface to investigate. Stranded after the shuttle crash lands, they are relieved when O'Brien risks his life to beam them down, to beam down to them. He brings along uh, pattern enhancers, uh, as they depart, a strange cloud envelops all but the injured Riker. Troy, Data, and O'Brien have been possessed by alien entities who soon secure themselves in 10 forward with hostages, included a bewildered Keiko and Molly. Uh, until Picard agrees to their chief demand, move the ship to the area over the moon's south pole. The entities claim to be from the USS Ex- Essex and say that they only want to be buried in peace. Troy, possessed by the spirit of Captain Bryce Schumar, says they were disembodied when their ship broke up over the moon 200 years ago. But their violence belies this story, and Picard eventually learns the truth. The entities were actually prisoners condemned to the penal colony of Mabu 6. They tried to possess the Essex crew and used the ship to escape, as they plan to do so now with the Enterprise and its crew. Taken hostage by the three, Picard accompanies them to Cargo Bay, uh, where they, where the rest of the enemies are beamed up, entities are beamed up rather. The captain then turns the table, saying he will open the outer cargo bay and kill all of them, including himself, rather than allow the entities to take his crew. The entities relent, abandon their host bodies, and return to their prison. Woof! That Fun is stuff. That is some description, everybody. Let's jump into power play. Here we go. Captain's Lock, Stardate 45571.2. We are going into orbit around an unexplored M-class moon of Mabu 6. Though the moon was reported to be uninhabited, we have picked up a weak distress call. The electromagnetic whirlwinds on the moon's surface make it virtually impossible to locate the source of the signal, Captain. Any indications of life, Mr. Wolf? Scanners read negative, sir, but they may be affected by the interference. Have you ever heard anything like this data? I believe so, Commander. At Starfleet Academy. Academy? I will verify it. Just as I thought. It is a Starfleet subspace distress signal, standard to dataless class warships. I have a question right here. Yeah. Um, 
He says, uh, have you ever heard anything like this before, Data? He says, I believe so. He believes so? Doesn't he know or not know? And then he says, I'll verify it. Well, he doesn't have the... uh, He doesn't have the pattern of the distress call that they're currently receiving in his memory. So he can't, like, compare the two in his head. So So it's more a question of whether this signal itself is the same. Yes. I see. But it It, seems like it might be. I think what he does is just... So it's less of a question of, I am not sure I remember it, and it's more, I don't have all the information of whether this signal is the same. Yeah, he pulls it up on the ship's computer. Fair. Uh, Let's continue. There hasn't been a dataless class in service for what? 172 years, sir. Are there any records of missing ships in this vicinity? The USS Essex, under the command of Captain Bryce Schumer, disappeared in this sector over two centuries ago. Dataless class. I have accessed the subspace transponder signature of the Essex. It is identical to the signal coming from the moon's surface. We arrived a little late. They're so happy when they... Muted, Mr. Data. Happy so when happy what? when they pan over and see Roe. Oh. Takes a long time to reveal her. Look. It's like, oh, can't. it's a Roe episode. It's a precious row episode. Savor it, Andy. With all that storm activity down there, it isn't worth the risk to check on a ghost ship. Advice, Starfleet. We have solved the mystery of Captain Schumann and the Essex. I'm not sure we have. Someone's down there. Uh, get us out of here, Row. Warp 8. I'm sorry, Troy, what did you say? Oh, it's too late. <laughs> we can't go back. Alive. <laughs> Just classic... Oh, she can sense a person on a from orbit versus she well, can't sense a person on a on a ship. <laughs> in fairness to Troy in this episode, the people she's sensing happen to be in orbit. <laughs> you know? Oh, oh is that what it was? That in, in the, the atmosphere. end they weren't on the planet surface, they they're were in, in the, the atmosphere of the planet mm-hmm. as far That's as I fair. can tell. That's fair. Uh, they do an emergency landing of the shuttlecraft uh-huh. and if I was O'Brien, so they can't beam anybody up like because the tr- patterns need to be enhanced. If I were O'Brien, I would just write a note, maybe on a post-it or some sort of notebook paper, and, and duct tape it to <laughs> the pattern enhancers. Uh-huh. And I would write, hey, guys, I can get you up. Just need you to install these pattern enhancers about eight meters apart in a triangular fashion stand in the middle I'll beam you right up this I would have been like Matt. They thanks don't, O'Brien they don't, have, they don't have post-its in the future they only he would have to paste a pad to it well then I would have uh, had a pad attached <laughs> that's gonna fall right off this plan is ridiculous oh no you're right <laughs> it is best to beam yourself down the same conditions won't permit a shuttle to land safely Mr. LaForge any suggestions? Give us a minute, Captain. Sir, let me beam down with a pattern enhancer. Chief, there's no guarantee you won't rematerialize in a million pieces if your signal gets caught up in that electromagnetic whirlwind. I can boost the confinement beam. One person might be able to make it. Captain, Chief O'Brien wants to beam down to the surface with a pattern enhancer. His chances of making it down there safely are no better than 50-50 in my opinion. Captain, a major storm front is moving in on the weight team's coordinates. Get aware of the risks, Mr. O'Brien. Yes, sir. I think I can make it. All right, then. I feel like it's very rare 
that you see Captain Picard in this situation where it's like the guy, the crewman wants to take the risk. There's a huge risk. And he's just kind of like, all right, as long as you're aware of the risks. Well, I think it is probably they're, they're not going to survive that storm, right? So yeah. it seems like the best option on the table right now is this beam down. Again, a notepad or PADD attached to this thing would be just fine. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think that the fact that it's 50-50, he's asking for verbal verification from O'Brien. I mean, it all adds up. It just seems somewhat unpicard like or if not unpicard like then something I haven't seen from him before, because it's always, almost invariably in Star Trek, whenever somebody has to be put at risk, somebody else will say, no, I'm going to do it, then we'll do it instead. Yeah, but it's not like Captain Picard can go, I'll do it. I feel like Worf would have to be like, Captain, you, you can't. Yeah. He even or, does that later in the episode, or, take me instead of these people. Well, he's correct in that sense, that yeah. his... Uh, uh, whatchamacallit. He's, He's the main diplomat. At the same risk there or intended. Orion! Yeah. It is also interesting. They chose to have that be an extra beat as opposed to just saying there might be some interference. We'd need to set up a pattern buffer and then start by sending uh, O'Brien down. But I guess the shuttle stuff is really cool, so... Yeah, well, you also need to somehow get... They have to figure out how this happened, right? So they need someone to not get inhabited. Yeah. Which is your Riker. And you want the dramatic tension of Molly and the bay and, uh, and Keiko in 10 yeah. forward. Yeah, I like that. O'Brien's and, great. Uh, here we go. He's really a great character. I can that see should do it. Off. Is this stormfront going to interfere with the transport, Chief? I'd really like to get us out of here before it hits, Commander. I'm supposed to be feeding the baby lunch. Molly gets in a terribly foul mood if I'm late. I'm with you. Side note, uh, when the uh, when the shuttle is going down, um, Riker says brace for impact. Mm -hmm. And Troy's interpretation of that is just closing her eyes. <laughs> well, you don't want any... Uh transparent aluminum shards getting in your eyes. <laughs> is that what it is? She's yeah, protecting sure. her eyeballs. Kim, it's tingling. Her you big black eyes. After images of the electromagnetic discharge. The sensation will pass. They're all fine, too. Now, I want you to take your time, Counselor. Doctor's orders. Injury report, Doctor. Mostly minor abrasions. Commander Riker took the worst of it with a broken arm. It's better. Good work, Chief. Thank you, sir. Ready for duty, sir. You sure, number one? That's going in his log. Chief, you might get promoted someday. You won't. The first broken bone I've ever had. He never gets promoted? Wow. How are you? He's an enlisted man, you know? He's not even an officer. Counselor. Oh, that seems Very like Very glad to be here. That's some good admiral go. bullshit right there. He's Chief Petty Officer Miles O'Brien. Let's do it. Bridge. So how do you suggest we proceed? We need to adjust the scanner so that they can penetrate those storms. Do you have any ideas, Data? We might be able to employ virtual imaging in order to interpolate missing data. I oh, what just happened there? That was him. Uh, hang on, that was just to me. To interpolate but missing data. What I was saying was, I really, I like 
I like data hiccups, like yeah. when they happen, and yeah. that was a cool sounding one. Like I like the sound design on it, and yeah, uh, I'm I'm all for it. Uh, totally unrelated, um, to uh, to anything except that that aspect. Uh, Luke Hemsworth is in Westworld, and uh, he did. He did a. Uh, this is a minor spoiler for Westworld. Um, he for season two, he, uh, season three actually. He did a, uh, a like that kind of tick, and I was like, oh, that that guy did a really good job. They did a really good job on the effect on that tick. And uh, then I watched the after the after special, and he just did it himself. It was really really good roboting, Luke Hemsworth. <laughs> Andy, your brain is conditioned to expect CG when sometimes people can just act. I know. It's so surprising. Prince orbit aligned around our crash site. Aye, sir. Sir, given the EM field properties of this moon, I recommend a search pattern beginning in the southern polar region. The polar region? That would be starting from scratch, Mr. Data. Our latest readings would suggest that we begin our scan around our crash site. The Essex signal was never clearly located, sir. A systematic survey of the moon from a polar orbit might be more practical. Well, you may be right, but I'd like to give the crash site a once-over first. Maintain our current orbit. Understood, sir. I've never felt anything like it. It was as though they were calling to me. Are you saying someone was communicating telepathically? Now, Andy, you, your first time watching this episode, what what are you thinking is happening here? Uh, I think that they're all possessed. Yeah. Except no, any Riker. any sort of guesses? Um. N- no, I assume that there were some aliens. I really, I gotta say, I really like the reveal. I think it's interesting that it was like this 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 uh, penal colony that they just trap their souls in i think that's or whatever it is their energetic matrix uh, what, how do they describe it um but i really like that and i think it's really smart and i think it's also it kind of makes it adds up that it's like they wouldn't be even a corrupt starfleet crew because even moves like this it's like she's going in she's got her plan and then meanwhile the guy who's possessing data fucks it all up before they even get to her plan. It's like, well, that's just bad protocol. It's your classic uh, uh, getting out of Alcatraz situation. Yeah. Doubt. So like he can't trust the helm isn't responding. Do you know anything about this, Mr. Data? I know that a punch to your stomach from my backhand will subdue you. Data? <laughs> ah! Security to the bridge! Uh, by think, the way, FYI, insulted by why, that, why sir? was it not weirding people out that O'Brien was hanging around the bridge? He goes up to the bridge sometimes. He's a villain tactical officer often for Worf. Does he really? Oh, yeah. I didn't note it that. Why aren't you paying that? attention, Andy? It's only been five seasons you've seen. Has he done it a lot up till now? Yes. Remember the episode where Troy was in command? Who was up there? I guess I felt Henson like that Rowe was a weird and Chief shift. O'Brien. Wasn't that a weird shift? Or was it no? I feel like he ended up there in a weird way, but maybe I'm wrong. Look, the transporter chief can be on the bridge. No problems. All right. My problem was Worf should be insulted by Riker saying security to the bridge. That was another thing that did strike me, yes. <laughs> Sir, I'm right here. I have a phaser. <laughs> and also, I should say security to the bridge. That's my team. Oh, fuck. 
fucking Ro- Ro- Rose Ro- right on it. By the way, I don't know where Rose Phaser came from, but I'm on board. Oh, they don't they don't have one. Maybe they have them stashed. It seems weird exactly. that they each have phasers under their stations. This is the only yeah, time for you ever exactly see that. this situation. I would buy it. Oh, for exactly this situation where you get well, possessed by the, phenol colony. The amount of times that aliens fucking beam onto their bridge is uncountable. Yeah, like I, I know Worf has one. I've just never. What I'm saying is, this is the only time or the first time I've seen one under the the uh, con. If anyone would have them, it would be Roe. Computer transfer command to engineering. Full security alert. I like uh, I like that Riker gets that off before he gets uh, poked in the back again. I like that too. And I like that... Uh, th- th- I think they do a good job of balancing that the mistakes the, um, the criminals make uh, are all personality mistakes. They have the protocol and they have the knowledge. So when they follow that, then they they match them step for step and it's only when they let their emotions get in, in the way that they screw it up mm. captain would have done it for me i think it's well written in that way computer re-enable bridge control security protocol authorization those, Riker Omega those fucking three. stun settings do not do very much in this episode. yeah it's very unclear what those phasers are set to they seem yeah. to be set to hard punch <laughs> Not even, not a, even a hard punch. <laughs> Love tap. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about the future. The, the, hard the, smack. The either off-duty officer or uh, non-fed, non-Starfleet crew member who's walking around in khakis with a belt. It's so... He's at 1308. It looks like... And that guy, you talk about, like, uh, Andrew Secunda School specific acting. <laughs> that guy... That is his moment in the sun. He is, could not be dressed more out of place. Did he win a contest? <laughs> and when he runs through, just that, like, oh! Did like he win a contest? To the wall. Does anyone know? I don't think so. I'm it's, asking but that outfit, I'm not asking that is you, a, Andy. That is a failure of... you. Oh, that's me. Sorry. That was for um, the audience. Okay. Uh, uh, but that is a failure of uh, wardrobe, I would say. I, I I find it like they were just like the director asked for that in the moment. Yeah. And they were just like, uh, I don't know. Jerry's got weird pants on. Jerry. <laughs> Jerry, get over there. I want you to. Uh, the director needs a background. We didn't pay for any background today. So, can you get over there and pretend to be a person walking through the ship? And he's like, Yes. Can I get a uniform? No. Uh, just go stand over there in your clothes. It there he goes. Be anything that's coming up immediately. So, if anybody has any information, please let us know. By the way, I feel like both of these security extras have died. Prior to prior to this episode, like in previous episodes, huh? They have. I feel like both of them have been killed in previous episodes by other invasive species. That and they're just hoping no one notices. I think I would love it if if somebody wrote stories to cover all those those uh, mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> that this was some kind of weird, or since they were they were possessed, they were regrown. On the floor! Everyone down! Now! 
like, Worf, you've already shot a phaser at these people. It hasn't done anything. Turn up the phaser. I get that you don't want to harm the body of Chief O'Brien or Data or Troy, but at this point, all you have to go on is the fact that Chief O'Brien, Data, and Troy are going nuts. You don't know that they're possessed. I think you should turn up your phasers. I agree. Thank you. Also, why are all the tables... Ma- why is the table in 10 Forward just breakable glass? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's just... It's never been thrown with that kind of weight and that force before. Sure. Following an aborted attempt to take control of the bridge... I love that Troy, Troy gets to knock somebody out. ...and Chief O'Brien have seized 10 Forward. Position security teams at both entrances. Yes, sir. Mr. LaForge, shut down all computer access to 10 Forward. I can't, Captain. They've already set up a remote security lockout. We'd have to shut down all computer function in the saucer section. Transporter room three. Can saucer you get a section. Lock- what? Saucer section. I wonder how... Uh, is that the first time in Star Trek history that, that Troy's gotten to punch somebody out? Uh, in my memory right now, sure. Yeah, I think so. And I also like that they, uh, because my immediate thing is, why don't they transport them? And uh, and then they immediately address it. It's really smart. Bridge, the entire transporter array has been taken offline and placed into diagnostic mode. I can't override. It'll take a couple of hours to complete the cycle. How many people are down there? 17. But what they don't explain right now is how, why they can't use shuttle, shuttle transporters. Because that's their plan later. They're going to reveal that later. Yeah, I know, but right now they could use them. Uh Uh-huh. Force fields to isolate this room. Also, I find it odd that 10 Forward's bar has computer access. I know you can probably probably (laughs) turn anything into anything It's hilarious that he's basically at the... He's basically the equivalent of the bar register. (laughs) Yeah. And he's trying to control the ship. It's like the cash register. Communicators. Now they learn nothing except what we tell them. They've done something to the force fields on deck 10, section one. Jordy? I don't recognize the configurations, but they've completely isolated 10 forward. What about flooding their air vents with the necessary gas? That won't affect data. No rescue plan will work unless we can knock out all three of them. A concussive charge will blow out the security fields. We can go in with the phasers and a wide beam, stun everybody, sort it out later. Very worth Even the baby. Doctor, go back to the biofilter readouts taken of the away team's transport from the moon's surface. See if you can come up with any clue that might explain this. Why why Picard has to come up with that is beyond me, but good on him. It's also it's also they don't even give Beverly a line like I'm on it. It's like just she sort of nods. No need for further violence. Please identify yourself. They will now attempt to negotiate for the safety and release of their people. Interesting. Under normal circumstances, I would be counseling the captain at a time like this. And what would you tell him to do? I would help him find a way to secure our trust. What are you looking at? <laughs> so you would be useless? <laughs> so you would say nothing that wasn't you obvious? None. Attack me. Afraid? I 
fear of death. And I have no fear of killing you. Stop it! I wish they fought just for so the only reason it. of like Worf being shoved out the windows of 10 forward. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So they have to go orbit the uh, polar, so southern polar destination, region. And perhaps we could- you have 30 seconds to change your heading or additional members of your crew will require medical attention. FYI, like many things, uh, I think they're actually, uh, if you watch the uh, the superhero cartoon Justice League, which I think is really good, by the way, um, there's an episode that's exactly this plot. I think they even have little twinkly lights that, that go into the superheroes. And um, I think there are many other, uh, I don't even know that they're homages. I think they're direct lifts from Next Generation. Oh, in the Justice League cartoon? Correct. Guaranteed. Like, I mean, what are you going to do? No one watching that should have watched this. It's for children. Yep. <laughs> also, Maurice Hurley. If it's not for there, children. I think it's a very adult cartoon. I'm just, look, Maurice Hurley's family, if you're out there and you're hearing this, go get your residuals. Sue the pants off the Justice League. What? They stole my story idea? They sure did, Marie. So you're just going to sit back? Oh, I'm coming after them. (laughs) And I'm bringing Lennon Mazelish. They're exactly the same. You know what? Stay stay indoors, Maurice. It's it's not a good time. Why? I'm not afraid. The coronavirus (laughs) isn't going to get me. Oh, Maurice. Uh, It's also... Maurice is no longer with us. Recently passed. Uh, is he recently I mean, not, passed? Not re- well, I mean, recently within the last two years. Well, that takes the fun out of it. Yeah. But no, I think this is a fun sort of like we're honoring him and his, <laughs> and, his and his great cuckoo bird of the galaxy calling Gene Roddenberry the great cuckoo bird of the galaxy. <laughs> it's probably the best thing in that, in that uh, Chaos on the Bridge documentary. Except in Data Troy and O'Brien, there's an unusual synaptic activity, some kind of anionic energy. It might be another life form superimposing its neural patterns on our people. Why wasn't I affected? I don't know. The only difference between you and the others is that you were injured. My broken arm. The fracture caused pain receptors to fire, which may have made you immune to this energy. If you're I don't know if it's. Does this bump you? If it's. The pain receptors that drove, that made it so that they didn't possess uh, Riker, how come shooting them with phasers doesn't drive them out? I always assume that she was wrong about it being the pain receptors. (laughs) In keeping with with our take. And they just were like, oh, I don't want to take this body. It's got a broken arm. Gotcha. That always made more sense to me. Yeah. Even as a child, when I watched this, I was like, true. Crush is wrong. <laughs> it might force whatever it is out of our people. A plasma shock. It would be painful, but it wouldn't cause any physical harm. I could hook up a modified laser scanner to a plasma inverter. What about data? I do it all the time down in, ten, in, in, in engineering. It's how we get Barkley on time. <laughs> Seconds, but I'll be fighting the computer for control. Timing will be critical. We'd have to hit all three with a single discharge. If they're standing together, it shouldn't be a problem. 
How will you gain access? I don't know why she's assuming that's going to happen so easily. And then when it happens, they take forever. It's like, all right, well, they're in the circle. Do you want to do something? Okay, well, well, all right, let's. Andy, I think you know as well as I do, the Enterprise D is the place where people stand very close together all the time. <laughs> That's true. She was saying, listen, at this with this aspect ratio of the screen, they're going to have to be standing together eventually. I mean, there's just no way they're not probably even standing there right now. Also, we don't like to do singles on actors, so probably they'll all be standing there in the same frame. If this is going to work, we have to have some way to contain or neutralize this anionic energy once it's out of our people. Yes, Doctor, that will be your top priority. Very well proceed. Being very bossy with Beverly about things that Beverly should would now already know how to do. Moving the ship as you requested. I would like to. It's the only way to get Crusher to do what you need her to do. You know. <laughs> that's, not, that's not our experience of her. <laughs> if you're like Doctor Crusher, do you have any ideas? She'll go. Hmm. I don't know. Well, I'm. Ri- I'm. I'm often written poorly. Crusher. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird that we they have her Maybe call that out <laughs> with inside the character. The crew values Picard's life above all others. Captain Picard, I do don't agree to your proposal. Expect a medical team to come. <laughs> Worf should go. Wait, even me? They don't value me. What about my I'm life? The greatest warrior on ship. <laughs> Shouldn't they value me? Look at my baldric. You know, earlier Riker called security in front of me. <laughs> I was. It's like, what am I? Chop liver? Four feet away from him. You know, above him. I was, <laughs> and I had a phaser out already. And he's still called security. I'll tell you something else. Roe is not allowed to have the phaser. I'm supposed to be the one with the phaser. I was not told of this new phaser protocol. Everyone, we're going to have new phaser protocol. Don't tell Mr. Wolf. <laughs> this scene was real creepy. So creepy. I Actually, I, I give it to, uh, to uh, Colmini. Colmini. It's really... Really effective, creepy acting. I mean, I give it to also to Rosalind, Rosalind Chow for sufficiently playing creeped out by her husband that's possessed. You know what? I also give it to the baby. That is nope, a great baby performance. doesn't get any credit here. What do you Andy? mean? Why? No the credit for the scared. baby. Baby's baby? crying. No. <laughs> I am Captain Bryce. Uh, okay, baby, Federation. we're going again. You didn't seem scared enough. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't have. Uh, put all this uh, emotional weight on the baby. We gotta see the turn. We gotta see the emotional turn from the baby. In Starship Essex. Uh, at this point, Andy, she says, Starship Essex, do you buy it? Uh, I, if, I, I assume that if it is them, then it's sort of the theory that they say later, which is they've been trapped so long that they've gone kind of insane, but... Which, in a way, I kind of would have like if they'd follow through with that yeah like putting it on a penal colony uh, also a cool idea it is an sort of unnecessary plot turn other than yeah. it's sort of interest an interesting detail but as you say the interesting detail is sort of a red herring so it's like why not just have them be aliens that are saying we've been trapped there and we're trying to get off can't you help us in that way, it would end. Uh, it would end very much like a normal Star Trek, right? Where you the the Federation, the Starship Enterprise, has done its good deed for the day, and they've helped this old crew find peace. Right. It would have been, a, I think, a slightly 
more interesting episode. Like I would have taken this idea nugget and written a different episode. Yeah. Rather than hostages, like although I mean dramatic tension wise, I suppose everyone not be acting like they normally do and the threat of physical harm is interesting i guess yeah and i would say uh you know we've seen certainly brent spiner do this before and he always kills it playing both sides of his personality but uh but we have certainly haven't seen troy do it before we haven't seen marina Sirtis, and she crushes it in this episode i think really it's really grounded but also dark and i think colomini also kills it uh, but i will you could have gone in the direction of making it instead that they don't get discovered for a longer time and you have them interacting with the crew and have the crew kind of being like, what's going on? But that being said, and that would have been interesting, but that being said, I like that there's all this forward momentum and they're immediately a threat and you're not wasting any time. Yeah. Uh, How do you feel about this conduit scene? Jeffrey's tube, man. Jeffrey's tube are great. I love them. I apologize. Yeah, it seems like something that Matt Myra would enjoy. All three. You know why they're called Jeffrey's tubes, Andy? There was a guy named Jeffries, right? That's Matt involved. Matt Jeffries designed the original Enterprise, NCC 1701. They've got to be in the that the specific circle for our plasma <laughs> conduit targeting scanner that we've made. Can we make the circle wider? No. No, no, no. That's not how these makeshift plasma bolts work. <laughs> to the same magnetic flux density. Uh, it's interesting also that Roe hates it in the Jeffries tubes. Yeah. If we can duplicate it, we can trap it once it's out of our people. We should be able to do that by flooding tin forward with iogenic particles. Exactly what I was thinking. Jordy, how long will it take to get it all ready? <sighs> we still have to calibrate the... You know, I was like, why is LaForge whispering? This doesn't make any sense. I was wondering about but that. But then I was like, well, if they're right above Data's body, Data's body can hear them. Oh, smart. Plasma inverter. But like, they don't address it i also didn't know if they like had literally drilled a hole in the ceiling feels like they did right <laughs> yeah commander my guess is 45 minutes to an hour i can have the containment field ready by then keep me advised this i really i mean you always see the crew talking stuff out and trying to figure it out i don't think you always see the crew working like you know like clockwork where like each member is doing his task and then they're handing it off to the next task and it's a simultaneous thing. I really like that vibe. Yeah, it's also nice to have a uh, beginning, middle, and end to a story. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> With a plot. <laughs> You're talking about our other recent explorations. <laughs> like this little side con- sidebar they have, Worf and Richard. Yeah spiritual possessions of this sort have been reported throughout Klingon history. It is called Chayin, the tingling of living by the dead. My impressions are that I was on the bridge and Riker says uh, <laughs> security. And I just don't... Uh, is is your feeling that... Uh, Worf, I mean, you've I got to let it go. Mr. Worf, please. All right. You asked he, for impressions. So you didn't he didn't know if you were also injured behind him. He was just doing his duty. Well, I was injured because he caught me off guard. It's completely ridiculous. Well, why was O'Brien really there? The I was already at, at, at the tactical. Mr. Worf, the only thing injured was your ego. Oh. 
perfect way to end that. Oh. <laughs> and you believe they may be telling the truth? Not for one moment. Sir, they know much about the Essex. If it is the spirit of Captain Shore, then he should be behaving very much better, don't you think? Stop I wonder if Captain. Wouldn't Troy be able to sense that they were having this right. conversation behind them? Or no? Well, Troy, as she says after the resolution, she was like, pushed to the side. It's like I was there, but I was pushed to the side. But I mean, she still has her emotion sensing ability. Yeah, but I don't think that this species knows what to do with that. I think she uses it. I think she she says several times in this kind of like, but you still don't trust us or stuff like that, which I thought was really smart because it's like, oh, that's an extra level of, oh, I, of strategy you got to think through. I didn't cr- give it that credence. Oh, I definitely did. Yeah. I feel like I feel like if you look at her interactions with Picard, she's like looking at him going, but you still don't trust us and stuff like that. I really feel like it's there. Captain Schumacher, we'll be approaching southern polar region that you requested in a few minutes. I need to give additional instructions. Very well. We're taking you to our crash site. Frankly, polar. this is to Marine Sirtis's uh, credit also. Even if it's not in the script... Uh, I definitely believe it's it's in her performance. What is? That, like, awareness of, of that she would know what Picard was feeling. Hmm. I mean, look, you're, 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 you're finding things I didn't find, Andy. Yeah. You're getting so much better at watching Star Trek than you, <laughs> than you were. Little remains on board this ship and then take them back to Earth for a proper burial. You see how simple a request this is? Captain. If you will let these people go, I'll order the bridge to follow your instructions. I will release no one. If you are who you say you are, there's no need for any of this. We'll gladly take you home. I wish you were truly as open-minded as you say, Picard. If you don't release the hostages, I won't cooperate. Oh, you will cooperate, Captain. You will cooperate or someone will die. Who shall it be? Huh? How about the Klingon? <laughs> Data <laughs> happens to be possessed by a 40s gangster. <laughs> well, it's that is, that's, really, how bro- that's how Spiner do. Yep, Spiner do what Spiner do. Standing by. Ready? Ready? Make sure you shoot them when they're all in the circle, okay? They have to all be in the circle, Ro. Understand? (laughs) Well, they talk about it forever. It's like, why she doesn't, as soon as they're in the circle, the reason they they don't fucking hit it and just say, okay, that they're not all lined up, that is when they're not. Well, I mean, Jordy has to drop the computer, computer bullshit. Yeah. Right? Also, like, the plan doesn't work because it's. Yes, the things leave and they were in pain, but it's obviously not the pain receptors that caused the problem. That's yeah. why they didn't go into Riker. It's the fact that his arm was broken. So really what they should do is have Worf take a chair and break their arms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, well, I assume that they, in their powerful, you know, their sure. current state, that can't be done because they're so much more powerful. Receiving those but. coordinates now. 
Can you tell what's there? Just your basic ionic cyclone. I can't read a thing. Well, I'm sure as hell not gonna beam up whatever might be down there. We got a good excuse for you. Transporters aren't gonna work any better than the scanners. Bridge to 10 forward. Whatever's blocking our scanners will prevent the use of the transporters. They're lying! On the contrary, <laughs> we've had a difficult time with the transporters. Chief O'Brien really had a problem with that. <laughs> I could... I could give you safe passage to a transporter pad in one of the cargo bays. It is a trick. He's trying to divide us. We must not be separated. I could give you all safe passage. Why are you suddenly being so helpful? Because I assume that if you choose to go to the cargo bay, then you won't take all of the hostages. Their safety is my chief priority. What are the risks when we leave this room? Without the protection of the force fields, we are completely vulnerable. They could use the transporter against us. Once the force field is down, they could beam us back to the surface. But there is a way to neutralize that threat. Bridge, transfer all transporter functions to 10 forward. In order to do that, you will have to release your computer control lockouts. That's not true. <laughs> this possessed Chief O'Brien just keeps calling out liars. They're well, lying. Why Jordy? Why Data doesn't know that? Why the Data criminal doesn't know that is beyond me. <laughs> yes, sir. Transporter controls are being transferred. Ten forward to bridge. I said all transporter controls, including all those aboard your shuttlecraft. These criminals are hotheads. Almost had them, Nice try. Why those shuttlecraft ones are tied into the main system is beyond me. Look, I'm no, I'm no Leah Brahms, okay? I'm not designing starships. <laughs> but I feel like those would be independent transporters uh, with their own buffer, their own Heisenberg compensator, etc., or whatever the hell you put in a transporter. Yeah. What do you think of the uh, orchestral '80s drama music and and the uh, '80s uh, walk and talk shot? <laughs> There's five really people nice. in the shot. I like it. Doctor, they'll be at the destination in less than a minute. They've stopped at deck 18, sir. Security, allow them access into cargo bay four. Aye, sir. You think with a shot like that, they even got singles, or you think they just got the got the one shot of everybody? I don't Singles think they ever close ups on I don't each think character. They ever went into coverage. You think they never even went into coverage? Wow, that no. must have been quick shoots. Well, I mean, they had to do this show. What did they do? Seven shoot days or six shoot days? So uh, you think about that. They're shooting twice as much as us, plus and then some on film. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they can do much coverage, especially when Crazy. you every scene, almost every scene has six people talking in it. Yeah. He'll blow the cargo bay hatch on my orders. Yes, sir. You're right, Picard. It's not rest we seek. I'll Only tell you escape. my plan now. Escape. <laughs> like a Bond villain. We were brought to this moon over five centuries ago. 
from a star system called Uxmal. We were separated from our bodies and left adrift in the storms. Once we almost escaped on board the Essex, but that ship was incapable of eluding this moon's electromagnetic storms. You really think that? <laughs> Rosalind Chow's face right now is perfect. It's like, what? The f where the what the fuck is happening? I'm just a, I am a botanist, and my husband is now possessed by a prisoner from 500 years ago. I miss the plants and my daughter. That's what she should be thinking. There's a penal colony. Where, where is the wind coming from? Where's the what? Where's the wind coming from? That's blowing around their hair. I think it's the swirl of of these. This species? Gotcha. Right? It's gotta be. Yeah, I guess That's so. correct. I don't know that there should be wind, Andy, to your point. But now we have your ship and your bodies to carry us home. I'm reading dozens of them. Hundreds. They have the same anionic signature we saw in the biofilter scans. I think we can give the captain a new bargaining chip. Dr. Crusher, flood the cargo bay with your containment field. <laughs> so, so this is the only thing that I find a little bit suspect in it is they're basically in a head-to-head -head over valuing others' lives and these people are sort of established to be sort of cold-hearted criminals so yes, why are they so sure that's going to work? Because they know that they don't have control over the cargo bay and they know that if they kill anybody on the crew then they're just going to be shot into space. Now, the question you should be asking, Andy, as a longtime Star Trek viewer, uh -huh. is if, this, if these souls, or whatever, this energy pattern can exist outside of the body, what the fuck does it care if it's shot into space? Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Well, I assume that once you're shot into space, then you have no hope of... You know, you have to. Then you're then you're depending on luck for millennia to 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 land in another creature. Although okay. they seem to fucking they on the planet move, move right? with intention. Yeah. So I feel like they needed to just escape that moon's electromagnetic field, which they've done, and they should be delighted to let them shoot them into the car into space. But even if what you're saying, going back to my point, even if what you're saying is true. Couldn't they then threaten the lives of, say, Rosalind Chow or, or, or whoever and say, all right, well, you're going to fucking let us go or are you going to let me or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill her? I think that the same result. They know that it would be the same result. But they don't. Picard but Troy is, willing, is still they safe. They know that Picard is willing to die and Worf is. And each of the officers that they're inhabiting are willing to die for the safety of the ship. So uh -huh. what they this is like sort of the gambit they run, right? So they know they check with their internal selves and go, fuck, this guy would totally die. This girl would totally die. The but second they, they also do know the second that Picard they do would the second Picard they do anything, would. Riker hits the button. Uh-huh. And shoots everyone out into space. Right. So it's basically it's basically they're not they know they're not gonna get away with their plan. Yes. Yeah, all right, I accept it. That's reasonable. 
Good job. Good job. TV show that already aired. Brett's a meaningless now. We are still in control of these three bodies. We will not let them go. And are you prepared to sacrifice the lives of these others? They'll all die when the cargo bay hatch is blown. You will die too, Picard. I would die to save the life of my child. To die defending one ship is the hope of every Klingon. You see that, Andy? Everyone wants to die. Yep. To save the ship. Each know the officers you inhabit. And you know they're equally ready to give their lives for the ship. Free them now. And I will return you to the moon's surface. See, I feel like that's another moment that she's reading him to see if he's uh, going what he what he's really feeling and and whether he actually will live up to returning them to the surface. Oh, I thought that was a moment of I checked with my body, my my fellow body occupant. Well, they, yeah, but that's Troy. Either way, um, I mean, I certainly I, I feel like you're right that it could have put more of a point on it and made it more of a threat uh, literally but I feel like it is in the performance Trans- Captain's log stardate 455.72.1 Dr. Crusher has examined Troy, Data and O'Brien there seem to be no residual effects from that experience it was as though my own consciousness were pushed to the side I was watching everything happen, hearing my own voice, but not being able to control any of it. What about the entity that controlled you? What were your perceptions of him? (sighs) He was intelligent, actually. Thoughtful in a ruthless kind of way. Charming. Funny. Lieutenant, I must apologize for my inadvertent misconduct towards you. No apology necessary. Your restraint is most remarkable. You have no idea. Because so that's, that's funny, called, of course. Riker, Riker great. called security, and I was there. Say, say again. <laughs> Riker called security, and I was there. He's still talking. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I was not conscious at that point. So, um, the uh, the um, but isn't even though it's sort of played for comedy. Like he's saying, you have no idea. But he never would have been able to fucking take down data. Correct, Andy. Do nothing. <laughs> well, there you that's, have it, everybody. That's the real crime for Worf as a character. Is beyond the fact that you're you're right that they never let Worf be Worf. They also like his primary ability is he's the brawn, and they have another guy there who's always ten times more powerful than him. <laughs> yeah, or if they're not, if he's not there, they somehow neutralize Worf as a threat. It's yeah. they just they do it to show how powerful whatever the threat is, you know. I feel like it's true, but I feel like they could have had more. I you I think you always imply that there's more of this coming in DS9. But yes. they could have had more fun with him being like yes, a military genius. Yeah. Yeah, and a, and an expert uh, fighter. Yeah, but in any case, so many crew members had a part this week. Let's find out who was the most valuable. Is it playing? Did I get it's here? The MVC, yeah, the get over there. Um, 
Is is Beverly the one that comes up with the final containment plan? Yes, she is, Andy. I think it might be Beverly. I think you're right, Beverly Crusher. Congratulations out of nowhere. MVC awarded. Good job, Doc Crusher. You, you did it. Did it, Doctor. Uh and with that, we now must give it some Andy's. We sit and watch and then we hang and talk, but the podcast isn't over just yet. How many Andy's does this episode get? Andrew. Secunda. I really like this episode. Uh, you seem to be uh, kind of poo-pooing it at the beginning, but uh, I thought it, it was a solid concept. I think it's a, just a really amazing performance by uh, Marina Sirtis, um, who never really gets to do this kind of crap. Uh, I think they they went about it in a mostly really smart way, like the sort of back and forth of fighting people that have all the knowledge they have. Um, I give it a seven. Oh, wow. Uh, This episode for me never really did anything for me. I think of this as your classic, classic, classic average episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. And for that reason, Andy, for me... It gets a five. And that's why I was so wishy-washy on um, the should they watch this episode. Huh. It's a five for me, a seven for Andy. There you go. Uh, now, Andy, I don't know how to let it be so that you can watch the trailer for next week's episode. Oh, that's okay. Uh, what is the name of next week's episode? Ethics. Okay. So let's see. Want- Ethics, the trailer. Do you want me to sync it up? We can. I will send you the link in a second. Okay. Uh, I can just look it up. All right. So, Andy, have you searched for the trailer for Ethics on YouTube? I did. Okay. Let's both click on it. The first thing is from TrekCore, right? 5.8 thousand views? Uh, correct. All right. Let's click on it in three, two, one. After a devastating injury, Worf will never regain the use of his legs. A crippled warrior chooses suicide over life as an invalid. I want you to help me die. Can a medical miracle save him? If he goes into that operation, he could come out a corpse. Or will he die under the knife? He's going into cardiac arrest. On Star Trek, The Next Generation. Oh, so much excitement. Like a lot of medical stuff going on in that episode. A lot of suicide. Right up uh, right up uh, Picard's alley. Well, there you go, everyone. That's what you have to look forward to. Uh, don't forget to uh, sign up for our Patreon if you want more podcasts. We're, uh, doing, we're doing more podcasts while Andy and I have the time. So everyone who was already there and... Uh, and and supporting we decided hey let's give a value add let's do more content so uh this month uh well this coming month april uh we'll be doing uh uh the next marvel movie captain marvel andy and i'll be doing for the president's circle president circle will also be getting the next episode of star trek voyager from season one uh and then the lieutenants will be getting discovery episode two episodes of discovery uh done in one episode of a podcast and also uh, enterprise 
Season um, one, episode deuce over there. So that's in the Patreon. So go to patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC if you want to support the show. If you're looking for a backlog of stuff and you don't want to support us monthly, head on over. Download what you can and get out. Do what you need to do. Um, I just want to double check. Oh, Andy's double checking something. What could uh, it be? How many Andys does Andy double check? We did Infinity War. Uh, the next one is not Captain Marvel. It is Ant-Man and the Wasp. Oh, thank you for checking that, Andy. No problem. That, uh, that'll and be Captain good. Marvel I've, is the year I've after that. I've never seen so Ant-Man the and the, the Wasp. After that. Oh, there you go. So it'll be my first reaction to Ant-Man and the Wasp, everybody, over in the Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC. In the meantime, everyone, stay six feet away from each other. Enjoy yourselves. Uh, keep those headphones on. We'll be in them as for as many hours as you can handle. Uh, in the meantime, live long and prosper. Let's get the fuck out of here, Andy. Very good. Disengage. You didn't do the uh, thing.